What I want to do for the next few moments is I want to share some thoughts with you. Um, actually, I should phrase it like this. I want to share some thoughts to myself that hopefully will help you. Um, I've been kind of tossing around some ideas uh, personally the last few weeks, and um, I thought it would be helpful for us to share that together. Uh, if you are a guest with us this morning, you're visiting, it's awesome to have you uh, with us. This isn't our typical environment, if you haven't guessed. Uh, starting back next Sunday morning, we'll be back at the Recreation Department, um, and so we invite you to come back and join us then, but it's awesome to have you here with us this morning. So my six-year-old Landon has started his first season of tackle football. Uh, he had his first practice of tackle football on Thursday. Before that, they were doing conditioning and uh, different types of drills, uh, just getting acclimated to the sport of football, as many of them, this is their first time playing. Now, my son Landon, throughout conditioning, leading up to his first full pad practice, um, to be honest with you, was kind of complacent out on the field. Uh, he wasn't necessarily giving it his all. He wasn't necessarily trying to compete, per se, uh, with the other players on the team. He was just kind of going through the motions, if you will. And so being a pastor and being a loving father, I tried to, to motivate my son Thursday before pad practice. I pulled out scripture on him, Colossians chapter 3, verses 23. And I said, son, I want to teach you a scripture. Colossians three twenty-three says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. And it goes on to say that you'll receive an inheritance as a reward. And so I said, whatever you do this afternoon, that's going to be football, right? Whatever you do, work at it. That means you've got to exert energy. You've got to be urgent. You've got to really put your best foot forward as if you're working for the Lord and not for men. So you've got to give it everything you've got while you're playing football as if you're doing this for the Lord, not for men. So no matter what anyone thinks, you want to give it your best so that God will be pleased with you. And I said, and if you do that, he promises us here in the scripture that you'll receive a reward for that. Receive a reward for that. <laughs> so he's about halfway through practice and we're having a water break. And one of his uh, new buddies on the team named Johnson is over and they're hanging out. And Landon says, hey, Johnson. Johnson says, yeah. He says, we got to work really hard out there when we go back. And I'm just listening, kind of proud of my son that he's displaying some leadership. We got to work really hard. And Johnson says, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like if we work really hard, God's going to give us a surprise when we're done. <laughs> so I just stepped out and said, no, 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 Johnson, Landon, listen, not a surprise. Not like you're going to go to the toy store. And, and he was like, no, 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 but I've been wanting a dirt bike. And, and maybe if we work really hard and I had to explain to Johnson and to my son that a reward wasn't necessarily a surprise, like you exert energy and then you immediately get something um, in return, whether it's a toy or something like that. Um, it could be a heavenly reward. It could be, I was trying to explain this to him. But I got to thinking about our lives and how we live lives. And, and how many of you have ever fallen into a trap of going through life kind of complacently? with complacence. You're just satisfied with the status quo. You're not necessarily trying your best. You're not living with a sense of urgency. You're just kind of going through the motions of life, right? Your schedule is difficult. You've got children. You've got to go to work. You've got to get things done for your kids to have them at certain places. You've got obligations. You've got to make the money. You've got to pay the bills. And you just kind of go through life. And I found myself kind of complacent in life in many situations, and today, what I want to do is I want to share some thoughts with you, and I've titled this, 
Um, little talk. Complacent urgency. Complacent urgency. I've subtitled it, Becoming Complacent with Urgent Living. Becoming complacent, becoming satisfied, becoming familiar and comfortable with urgent living. Meaning we live with purpose. We live with a sense of accomplishment. We try to do our best. There's two misguided reasons that I believe that people live with urgency. And just so we're all on the same page, urgency is simply living with, um, in a compelling or requiring immediate action or attention. It's an imperative or pressing situation. So if we're living life uh, urgently, there's typically two misguided reasons that we live life urgently because it's not natural. Natural is to live complacently, go through the motions. Here's the first misguided reason that we live with urgency. Number one is we have to, right? We have to live with urgency. Your doctor tells you if you don't change something, then you may not live. I feel a need, I feel an urgency to make a change, to, to fix some things in my life. If I don't live with urgency, they're going to come and get a vehicle. They're going to take my home. There's a sense of urgency in which I've got to take care of some things in my life. There's some, some needs in your family, some things that are going on relationally. And if you don't give it special attention, it's not going to turn out the way you want. So a lot of times because we have to, we live with a sense of urgency. That's why we sometimes resent urgency is because it's usually accompanied by emergency. So emergencies require us to live urgently, but that's misguided. It's not the way it should be. The second misguided reason that we live with urgency is because we have a desire not to have to live with urgency. Let me explain that. We have a desire one day to take it easy in life, right? We want to settle everything now so that later we don't have to settle anything. We want to save money now so that later we can just enjoy life and not have to worry about making money. We want to settle things now so that there's never a need for us to have to do things. So out of a desire for complacency, we sometimes live with urgency. I got to take care of this because one day I really want to enjoy not having to take care of things. Okay, and these are both misguided reasons for us to live with urgency. There's a, there's a scripture that I want to read, and then I want to share with you two uh, reasons I believe you should live with urgency, and then I'm going to give you four reasons on how you can live with urgency. Luke chapter number 12, starting in verse number 16. And he told them this parable. Jesus tells this story. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. That's a good, that's a good harvest. That's a good problem to have. You've got more harvest, more crop than you've got barn. You can't store everything you have. That's a good place to be in life. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Isn't that like the dream? Right? I've got enough that I don't have to worry about anything. And I'm just going to become complacent in life and enjoy what I have. I don't have enough room for everything. So I'm going to build something bigger. I'll store it and then I'll be taken care of. But God said to him, listen to this, out of a desire for complacency, he has taken care of things. He has set himself up for the future. But listen to God's response. But God said to him, you fool, 
This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Everything that you worked so hard for so that you didn't have to work hard anymore can be taken from you in an instant. So your sense of accomplishment can be wiped away when life ends. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? That God isn't necessarily completely pleased with you just because you've done really well at life. You know what we don't always notice in this parable? We notice the great crop, the great harvest, right? We notice the, the dream to take it easy and enjoy life because he's prepared a lot. But we don't notice what it took to get the great crop. We don't notice a man that plowed his fields. He took care of everything that he needed to do. He planted, he watered, he tended to all of his crops. He lived with urgency for a season. And that sense of urgency led him to a great harvest. We have opportunities in life to live with a sense of urgency that could lead to great harvest, to great crops in life, so to speak. But the problem with success sometimes, successes from urgent living sometimes lead us to complacent living. So while we may endure seasons of urgent living and produce a crop, we sometimes get comfortable and step back and relax afterwards. So rather than leveraging this crop and saying, how can I take this and multiply it and, and maybe impact other lives other than myself, he said, you know what, I'm just going to sit back and quit and just enjoy life. And God called him a fool. Because in the end, what he dreamed of living a complacent life was taken from him. You know, two of the greatest enemies of urgent living are our successes and our failures. Our successes and our failures. Sometimes because we have successes, it causes us to become complacent. And sometimes because we have failures, it causes us to become complacent. I've succeeded, I've done really well, so I don't have to try anymore. I've failed miserably, so I don't have to try anymore because I'm not going to risk that again. Urgent living is God's call for us, right? Understanding that we have a purpose for our life, that he desires to use us to accomplish great things in the earth. But complacency is sometimes our desire. So let me give you two reasons why I think that you should pursue urgent living, and then I'll tell you how you can. Number one, correct reasons we should live with urgency. Number one, because we want to, not because we have to. Not because there's an emergency, not because if we don't, then we're going to be in trouble, but because we want to, because we want to accomplish things. We want to move the ball forward, so to speak. We want to see great things happen as a result of the lives that we've lived. We want to make a difference in the lives of those around us. We don't want to simply exist in this life, right? We want to accomplish things. We want to be used of God. We want to see God use us in ways that would impact people around us. That's very different from an emergency-driven urgency, because one is a sense of survival, surviving, and one is a sense of thriving. It's I'm going to do my very best because I get to, not because I have to. Here's the second reason why I think that we should live with urgency. 
is because we desire not to become complacent rather than we desire to become complacent. You see the difference? One says, you know what, one, I'm going to work really hard right now so that one day I don't have to do anything. I can just take life easy and not have to worry about anything. That's a, that's a great motivator for success in life until you get to the not doing anything part of life. And you've been driven all of your life and now you're just expected just, I'm just going to sit back and do nothing and you'll drive yourself nuts because you're losing a sense of purpose at that point. But rather, we live with a sense of urgency because we don't ever want to become complacent. We don't ever want to live life with a sense of um, no accomplishment. We don't ever want to live life as if our lives don't matter, as if we're not making a difference. We never want to waste our life. And because we never want to waste our life, we always want to live with urgency. We always want to live with urgency. We typically resist urgent living because we believe that life is about ourselves. And if we can get to the point where we can become complacent, that means that we've accomplished something significant for ourselves. But we've got to learn to embrace urgent living because we know that life's not simply about ourselves. It's about leveraging everything that we've worked for to impact those around us. And significant, most significantly, is to, is to extend the glory of God to those around us. So we're created with purpose. That purpose brings fulfillment. Complacency doesn't bring fulfillment. Purpose brings fulfillment. That's why we want to live with a sense of urgency. So here are four reasons on how you can become complacent, familiar, comfortable with urgent living. Four reasons, four ways that you can become complacent with urgent living. Number one, always see potential. Always see potential in any and every situation. Complacency is triggered at times by success, like we talked about. And sometimes complacency is triggered by failures. Successes cause us to have a sense of pride that says, I have accomplished something significant, so I no longer have to work at things. I'm just going to enjoy my accomplishment. And many times, our greatest seasons of complacency follow our greatest seasons of success. Likewise, failures trigger complacency. I really tried. I gave it everything I had, but it didn't work out. It didn't work out, and so because it didn't work out, I'm going to quit trying. I'm not putting my neck out there and trying that again. People have looked at me. I know that they're talking about me. I know that they view me as not successful. I know that they have seen things that I've attempted and failed at, and because of that, I'm going to learn to play life safe and not try things anymore. Complacent living. It's okay to rejoice in our successes. It's okay to mourn our failures. But the key is to learning how we can leverage our successes and our failures for greatness. So you take your successes and you say, how can I leverage this to have a greater impact? You take your failures and you say, how can I leverage this to have a greater impact? That causes you to continue to live life with a sense of urgency. So you learn to see your past and present successes, your past and present failures 
simply as potential for accomplishing other great things. Let me give you a brief example from my life. Many of you are close to this because August, two years ago, I led our church in an initiative called X2. Anybody remember X2? Okay. For those of you who weren't with us, here was the general gist of X2. Times two, we're going to double our church, every aspect of our church. We want to double our attendance. We want to double the number of people serving. We want to double the amount of money that's given. We want to double the number of people involved in groups. Because if we can double our church, not so that we can brag about it, then we'll have greater potential to impact people. And I was like, think about the potential that we would have if our church were twice the size, the impact that we could have. And I'll be the first to admit that X2 was a failure. We did not double our church in any capacity over the course of the next year. Out of a faith-filled drive, a sense of urgency that I thought was inspired by God, I led our church down a path to seek to double that many could easily say did just the opposite. We went to two worship experiences instead of one because we thought that we could reach more people if we offered more worship times, but we weren't ready for that. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, and many times we're blinded by faith. It's great to have faith, right? We believe God can do anything. We've always said as a church, we'll go big or we'll go home. And we went big and then we went home, right? So our church didn't double. It was a failure. And I mourned that season. I thought, God, I... I knew that I had heard from you. I knew that this was something that you wanted us to pursue. Why did you not bless it? Why did it not work? And you know what it led me into for the last year? It led me into a sense of complacency as a leader. I can admit it now that I see it. Didn't see it at the time. But that failure, the greatest failure in my ministry ever, led me to say, I'm not going to take any more risks for a season. I just want to kind of sit back and lay low and, and just hope things kind of heal and become healthy and, and people forget about this. How many of you forgot about it? Yeah, I didn't think so. And so I have become, as a result of a failure, timid to try new things. But how many of you have ever failed at something? Raise your hands. If your hands are not up, you're failing at, at telling the truth right now, right? We've all failed at things. Our failures define us in such a way that we learn from them and it's potential to learn and grow and become something better. We've got to see the potential in things. And I'm learning as a leader, as a pastor, to see potential even in times of failure. It's difficult. But if we'll learn to see potential through our successes and our failures, we'll learn to live with a sense of urgency and believe that we can accomplish great things. Number two, stop talking about it. Stop talking about it. What recurring things do you find yourself constantly talking about in life? How many times have you said, I'm going to start working out. I'm going to start a diet. I'm going to save for a new home. How many times have you said, I'm going to start a new career. I'm going to go back to school. How many times have you talked about a dream that you've never pursued, that you've never taken a step in that direction, but you find yourself constantly talking about it? 
I can't wait till the day that I get to. I'm I, just waiting for the right time to, right? I hear people say, you know, we're, we want to get married, but we're just not quite ready. And I'm like, you're never going to be quite ready. So either you're going to get married or you're not. You know, we want to have kids, but we're just not quite ready. You're never going to get ready to have kids. You're never going to have enough money to feel secure in providing for your kids the way you want to. Sometimes you just have to stop talking about things and you have to start doing things. Well, what things come to mind? I mean, something probably pops into your mind when I say stop talking about doing the same thing. You've mentioned it time and time again, but you've never made a step towards it. What we've got to do is we've got to decide if whatever that recurring theme is that we constantly talk about, we've got to decide if it's something that we should pursue or if it's something we should just cross off our list. Right? Talking about something for 30 years isn't helping anything. You're going to become more and more complacent at life if you continue to talk about things. So what you've got to learn to do is you've got to say, hey, we're either going to try this or we're going to mark it off our list and we're not going to try it. It's either worth pursuing or it's not. Otherwise, we become complacent. So some of us need to mark some things off our list and it'll be painful to do so. And some of us need to finally take a step in the direction. There's always going to be excuses and opposition in your life. There will always be a great reason not to take the first step. There will always be some sense of opposition to whatever dream you may want to pursue. And what you've got to do is clearly define in your mind what is one action step that gets me closer to my dream and simply take that first action step. One day you're going to say, I want to retire, but I'm just not quite ready. And you're going to keep talking about it. Figure out if it's something I want to pursue, if I want to cross it off my list, make a decision, and live with urgency so that you can stop having this complacent mindset that's full of things you want to do one day, but you're not willing to do at all. And listen, some of the things you may fail at, that's okay, because there's potential in that failure. Taking steps is what's important. Number three, if we want to become complacent about urgent living, we've got to pursue progress. Pursue progress. We all have room to grow. We've all got room to grow. We are not experts in life. We all have room to grow, to mature, to become better. Comfort is the enemy of our progress. Many of us don't like change, and we get comfortable where we are, and we don't grow and become better husbands, better wives, better parents, better employers, better employees, because we're comfortable where we are. And as long as we're comfortable with where we are, it's going to be difficult for us with a sense of urgency to become better, to grow in who we are. To get out of our comfort zones, we've got to set short-term, specific goals. And I said we should set input goals rather than outcome goals. So think about this. If you want to grow as a parent, as a spouse, as an employer, as a friend... Whatever it is, whatever area of your life, as a follower of Jesus, whatever area of life that you want to grow, it's important to start setting specific short-term goals, right? Rather than just simply saying, hey, I want to become a millionaire, you've got to learn to set short-term goals that move you in that direction, right? I want to save 
$10,000 in the next year. Whatever your short-term goal is, it's measurable because you set a time limit and it's significant because it moves you towards your goal, okay? This idea that, you know, I want to be the best leader in the world. Like, well, how do you measure that? I want to be the best boss anyone's ever had. Like, according to who, right? But you can say, you know what? Over the next month, I want to be more grateful to the people that I lead. So I'm going to send out emails and text messages and handwritten notes telling people how much I appreciate them. That moves you towards being a better boss, a better leader, but it's not a lofty goal that's not measurable. It's significant. It moves you in the right direction. It's measurable, and there's a time frame that allows you to see progress. So rather than us as a church simply saying, hey, you know what? We want to double in the next year. That's an outcome goal. Rather than setting outcome goals, we've got to learn to set input goals as well, right? So think about this, you know, I need to lose 15 pounds. So my outcome goal is losing 15 pounds. So if you've been trying to lose 15 pounds for two years and you haven't lost 15 pounds yet, you're going to grow complacent, right? I mean, I've tried so hard to lose 15 pounds, because that's your outcome goal. But what if you said, instead of, I'm going to lose 15 pounds over, and you don't even set a time frame, you said, you know what? In the next two months, I want to commit to exercising at least 15 minutes a day. It's an input goal. What I want to put into my life, 15 minutes a day, I'm going to do some kind of exercise. Ride a bike, walk, some stairs, jog, whatever that looks like for 15 minutes a day you're more likely to see progress towards your goal by setting goals that you input than to set outcome goals, right? I can starve myself and lose 15 pounds, but when I start eating again, it's going to come right back. You see what I'm saying? The outcome shouldn't define us. The input should define us. The journey should define us. So we've got to learn to set specific, measurable input goals that move us toward our progress. If we'll pursue that progress, it's living with urgency. It's saying, I'm trying my best. I'm attempting something. I'm becoming better because of. And we constantly improve and grow and mature towards our goals in life because of the sense of urgency. And then lastly, I put get emotional. Get emotional. If you've got emotional in your house, if you've got emotional in your workplace, it's not always pleasant, okay? Let's put that out of our mind, and that's not the emotional we're talking about. Here's the emotional I'm talking about. You, the life that you live, you are not an accident. Whatever your story. God created you, I believe, with a sense of purpose. There is a reason among many reasons that you are on this earth, there is potential for your life to make a difference. You do not have to waste your life. Your life can make a difference to those around you. But get this, your time's running out. You've got the least amount of time to make a difference than you've ever had right here today. And tomorrow, you'll have the least amount of time that you've ever had. Do you feel the weight of that? 
Like, I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to just float through life and at my funeral have people get up and say, hey, he was a nice guy, yeah, really cool, you know, pretty, pretty good guy, you know, loved his family, pretty cool guy. I would rather people get up and talk about the impact that I made on their life. Let me tell you what Bronson did for me when I was in the eighth grade. Let me tell you what Bronson did to me when I was down in this situation in life. Let me tell you what Bo did in my life. Let me tell you what Ralph did in my life. Let me tell you about Larry Doolittle. At that moment, your life didn't just exist. You made a difference. You made a difference in someone's life, but your time's running out. And sometimes we just need to get emotional about that. We need to look at the people in our life. Listen, my aunt right now is dying of cancer. My parents went to visit her because they don't know if she'll make it much longer. I'll miss my Aunt Brenda. I love her dearly. But you know what thinking about her dying does to me? It reminds me that life is fragile. Now, I'm not promised tomorrow. I, don't, I may not have much longer on this earth. So instead of getting frustrated with my kids and just getting them out of my face so that I can become complacent in life, maybe I should urgently say this is just another opportunity to make a difference in the life of my kid. Instead of just getting up and going to work that I hate and having to do things that I don't like, maybe I say, you know, today's an opportunity to have a conversation. Today's an opportunity to look for a need in someone's life, to listen for something they say that would allow me to give them some kind of encouragement. Today's an opportunity for me to give something that will impact someone's life, to say something, to do something. And if I get emotional about that, it makes me live with a sense of urgency. When I look around my life, when I'm in stores and when I'm out in public and when I'm with family and I see injustices, that sense of urgency says I can make a difference in this situation rather than a complacent life that just says I'll let someone else deal with it. We've got to get emotional about it. Here's my final thought. Hopefully on some level you today have been inspired to say, you know what, I'm going to start living life with a sense of urgency. I've become complacent in whatever areas of my life and I want to put my best foot forward. Here's my final thought. Luke chapter 12, verse 21. Last statement of the parable that we read earlier. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Remember this rich man? Huge crop, huge harvest, build bigger barns, store it up, eat, drink, be merry. Don't have to worry about things at all in life. And God says, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. This is how it will be. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself for himself, I'm complacent, I'm driven by a sense of living for myself, but is not rich towards God. For any and all of us, the most urgent relationship that we have in this life is a relationship with God. It's a relationship with God. I don't care what accomplishment 
you may have here on this earth and what you leave behind, what you're stepping into when your life ends, is eternity. And your relationship with God that got you to that point is going to land you somewhere. What are you doing today to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus? What are you doing today to grow closer to God? If nothing else I've said has resounded with you, maybe we can all say we're going to start with asking ourselves a situation, the simple question, am I where I need to be with God? And what action step can I take to grow closer to him? Let me pray for us as the worship team comes. Lord, thank you for life. And I know many times we have a tendency to become complacent, ungrateful for the things we have. We don't perceive the blessings that you've given us. We live life out of a sense of entitlement. We live for ourselves. We're so selfish at times. We have this dream to do nothing one day. That's our greatest dreams. One day I want to do nothing. And I'm going to do everything frantically until that point so that one day I can do nothing. And I pray, Lord, that you would teach us to resist that mentality. We shouldn't do everything we can now so that one day we can do nothing. We should do everything we can now because every moment matters. And we have opportunities day after day to impact lives around us. And every decision that we make and every conversation that we have, it's important. It matters. It's substantial. And I pray, Lord, that we would learn to live life urgently. That we would become comfortable, complacent with living urgent lives. Not that we're frantic and stressed all the time, but just that we simply put our best foot forward at all times in everything that we do. Because whatever we do, you've asked us to work at it with all of our heart is working for you and not for men. Lord, if there's anyone here today that would say, I haven't lived with a sense of urgency when it comes to relationship with you, I pray in this moment that you would just inspire them, Lord, draw them, call them to fresh and anew either beginning or begin a relationship with you or rekindle a relationship with you or take a step towards intimacy with you, knowing that your relationship with us is the most important relationship that we'll ever have. So I pray for every man, every woman, every student who's hearing me right now, Lord, that you would just speak directly to their heart, that you would help them to understand, Father, the desire that you have to accomplish great things, the purpose that you've set inside them. Help us to always see potential in our successes and our failures. Help us to stop talking about things so much and start moving towards things. Help us to pursue progress and to get emotional about the reality that we've got purpose and we're running out of time. Use us, Lord, for your glory to impact lives around us I pray that we would become complacent with living with urgency. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.